Hi again, everybody. Welcome into another edition, another week. This is Cross Functionality. Thank you for joining us. As always, the show connecting coaching, baseball, softball, male, female, hosted by former college baseball and softball players. Thank you for joining us once again. Episode 58 today. I couldn't do it alone. Let me bring in my friend and co-host, softball national champion at the University of Alabama, current day renowned coach. Right now, I'm guessing at the academy. Yes, we're at at work today. (laughs) The whiteboard is all filled up Mm. with notes. Ready mm-hmm. to go. I need a big whiteboard like that. You know, I write down like show notes or like things that I might want to talk about on like a little note card. I need mm-hmm. like a big whiteboard. <laughs> put it in like one of the spare bedrooms and just like any time a note comes to my head, I can just, you know, add it to marker the and and write write out these uh by the way, I have to ask you, um, being a Yankees fan, uh, and this has been talked about uh, I don't know, since Wednesday, right? When did the Phillies clinch? When was it Wednesday third, whatever it was. Um the Yankees missing out on the Bryce Harper sweepstakes and that video where of his interview, I think it was with Barstool, um, one of the affiliates of Barstool a few years ago, him talking about how the Yankees never reached out to him. And, and I have to, I just have to wonder and get it from the perspective of a Yankees fan, how you feel about Bryce Harper and did they really miss out the Yankees on signing Bryce? Because look, you can't deny I'm not for that amount of money that he got paid. Not money for any player quite frankly but that's just me i'm all about development you know that but do you think the yankees missed out what are your thoughts on bryce harper i have to i have to know yeah you know it's interesting like if you would have asked me i'm trying to think when he came into the league i i would have been a little 2012 right okay so it was right around when i was in college getting out of college and i just remember he had so much hype from Mm -hmm. being so young like he was at i think a juco um and i don't know it to me like I guess back then I would have been like, okay, do you do you risk that much? I mean, granted, like, how many times does someone who's hyped up so much at such a young age actually pan out? And obviously he has. Um, but I, what I do appreciate about him is is just how much he seems to care and love baseball. And I think a lot of like that comes out. So as I'm torn because as someone who grew up watching the Yankees in the 90s, obviously baseball in general is just a little different now. You don't have a Jorge Posada or a Jeter or like those guys coming up through the farm system, let's say, that mm-hmm. are uh, producing as as we got to see in the 90s, I guess. But yeah, uh, who knows? It's it's hindsight's 2020, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a great point. Uh, the one thing I'll say, and it, it kind of ties into today's topic, we're talking about breaking the myth of playing with heart. Um, and when you play with too, I think one of my points I'm going to make today is when you play with too much heart, you're putting more pressure on yourself. And he was talking on the Pat McAfee show this week, Bryce Harper, about how all that pressure of being 16 years old, dropping out of high school, having to go to JUCO, play against players that were way older than him and, and uh, maturity wise anyway, and getting drafted number one overall, all that pressure of being this phenom, right? He says that all that's behind him now. I'm just worried about my family and I'm worried about being able to support them, take care of them and, and playing baseball now, as he put it, is just kind of a piece of cake. That that kind of encapsulates everything we're going to talk about today and hold the whole breaking the whole myth of playing with heart. I mean, he plays with with the heart, but he does it the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's there's an important lesson in there to be able to and, and I, it comes with maturity, I think, with all I was just going to say that. Yeah. General. But it's being able to conceptualize what it what pressure really is and then being able to attack that pressure the right way and go about it the right way mentally. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? When you talk about maturity, I don't think I, you know, because I, I follow baseball, but uh, not nearly as in-depthly as I might follow yeah, sure. uh, softball, let's say. But 
I did see a clip recently of Bryce Harper at the Little League World Series, and he's in the booth and he's being interviewed, and he got all choked up talking about his kids and how much he misses out on on their lives and how that is really his focus, like what you just mentioned. And so it's interesting because you see that level of maturity, then it makes sense why my timeline doesn't show up with like maybe videos of him like looking back at a fan anymore or yelling at a another uh, player from the opposing team. Or I feel like I used to see that pop up every now and then on my timeline in regards to Bryce Harper. And now it seems like a very different polished athlete who has figured out how to hone in that heart and hone in that passion and, and, and what he brings to the table so that it, it is going in the right direction and not just bursting out of him at uncontrollable times, let's say. Yeah, I, I looked at that that series um, with the Braves, and it goes to your point. The Phillies were more of a maybe not they may may not have been the better team on paper, but they were the more uh, grown up team. And I, I think that starts, you know, in a room filled with the guys like Real Muto and Castellanos and Schwarber, all of these guys who are mature and are getting older in their careers have had that experience. That group is led by Bryce Harper, mm-hmm. um, who is. You, Look, you could say he's not the best player in the Phillies. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I'm not going to go into that debate. I don't care, quite frankly. But you can say he is the leader of that group because of all of the things, all of the elements that were around him as he was growing up and some of those quote-unquote mistakes that he may have made, yelling at an opposing player, yelling at a fan, whatever. And it doesn't really matter to me, but some people it does. He's the leader of that group, that grown-up group, and that's how he, I think he led the Phillies to once again beat the Braves, who, by the way, were outplayed, I think. And how many innings did they play in that series? They played, what, four games? Uh, so that's 36 innings. The Braves were probably outplayed 30 of those 36 innings. And I mm-hmm. think it's because the Phillies are more of a grown-up team, and in essence, that, was, that grown-up team is led by Bryce Harper. Yeah, any you know, having thankfully been a part of a championship uh, team in college, but even... Even in high school, even in travel ball, you just start to recognize and it's whatever you want to call it, right? Like you could do a whole podcast on people saying like, oh, they have it or that team has it. And you're like, yeah, what's what is it? You know, and it but it shows up. It's on full display during playoffs, because I think that is when that professionalism is called upon so much. And teams or athletes will reach that breaking point where it's like, all right, have you have you been here? Can you manage your emotions or are you going to? fall off this tightrope of managing your emotions and and be be too high, be too low, whatever it may be. Um, so those emotionally mature teams, the the professional approach to failure teams, the just like harden from previous experience, whatever you want to call it, they have it and it shows up big time come playoffs for sure. So when you were in college and you were a senior and you guys were bidding for that national championship, did you feel more buttoned up, more like a grown-up team at that point? Or at least did you feel like you had, you could sit in the room with three or four other girls, three or four other teammates, and you guys could be the grown-ups of that room and lead that team? It, it almost Meaning you almost felt like, well, we've been here before. We've been there before. Let's act like we've been there before. For sure. And honestly, we had, um, prof- taking a professional approach to the entire season was something that we wanted from from the very start of the season but it just kind of really came to fruition so the world series happens we look around we're like okay we graduated two girls last year every single person on this field was on this field last year a quarter of them were on the field two three years ago so of course experience matters and 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 of course uh having been battle tested and gone through all that matters and it what the difference is of course you're excited to go to the world series but you're not like 
we're at the World Series. It's like, yeah, we're here and we're ready to win. You know, it, it wasn't a, it was a very different type of excitement that came with it. Um, so to our point today with, you know, it's, it's not that there isn't excitement or there isn't emotion. It is just a very different refined emotion. Yeah, it, it, it people don't uh, realize, and that's okay if they don't, they don't realize though, you know, and this is why I think some players maybe struggle at, after they get traded to another team, you know, during the trade deadline, during the season, the little things do matter. Like the way you, the place, the walking into the ballpark, where you walk into the ballpark or in, in you know, a, I don't know if they, what they call ballparks in softball. Stadium. Stadium. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, walking into the stadium, like you, for example, you guys in your senior year, walk into the stadium for a national championship, you know, just kind of that familiarity does actually help a little bit and, mm. and being familiar, it relaxes you a little bit. You're not as wide eyed, you know, wide eyed and bushy tailed. You're not as wide eyed mm -hmm. as you would be say three years ago when you're a freshman, two years ago when you were a sophomore going to the national championship. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know what? I think the difference too is like, I remember freshman year we were there and we had, because we were so wide eyed, it almost like put this pressure on us where it was like, we had to do it because we were here and, 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 Almost, it almost was like a little bit of a lack of confidence in how we got there because uh, maybe to your point, like we got away with like being really, really emotional and, and getting some of these wins to get there, which is fine. But then we almost, it almost like made us lose confidence and like, okay, well, do we know how to get here again? Can we get here? You know, whereas, uh, so that's like one, not being in the present. That's two, uh, allowing emotions to dictate your presence instead of letting your presence dictate your emotions. Um and it just, it certainly led to us uh, putting way too much pressure on every single game, on every single moment, instead of just being like, okay, here's, we've been here before and this is how we navigated it. Nothing is too too big of a deal. Nothing is too little of a deal. Just, it is. It is what it is and you move on. Yeah. And you don't really uh, romanticize the small things about, oh, look at this locker room. This is cool. Look at this chair I can sit in. This is cool. Look at this backdrop. Look at this hitter's eye. This is all cool. Like, it, you're just not as wide eyed anymore. It's, yeah. experience at this point. You, you can certainly appreciate it and you can certainly be, you know, there is that balance, but I think it's also too like, look at what, want to talk about emotion, look at the Phillies when they celebrate afterwards. That was when they could finally let go and let loose and then they'll package it back up and they'll move on to the next series and yeah. look at uh, teams when they finally dogpile or like how people yeah, start drugs. crying. Yeah. It's like, that's when they can finally like, oh, we can let it go now because we don't need that professional like like uh studiness almost to you to like yeah. really be a you know really be a, a student of the game and and really be uh make sure you're not humbled by the game because i think the second you get too high on those emotions the game's very quickly going to humble you yeah well um let's get into today's topic be sure to follow us on social media at jim tara at coach underscore cassie rb on instagram at coach cassie rb on twitter today's episode episode 58 we're breaking the myth of playing with heart this this came from this this topic it derived from when i was in high school i had a coach who coached his kid uh he wasn't the head coach um but he coached his kid um who was a year older than me the only reason i maybe ran into this too um as a player but the only reason he was coaching his kid to make sure or that his kid um got the, the benefit of the doubt and was well positioned his kid didn't really go anywhere but no, nonetheless um he would always say to us play with heart and i never knew what that meant and now as i've gotten older and i've gotten to establish relationships and friendships with great coaches um, 
anywhere from hitting coaches, pitching coaches, regular overall coaches. I understand that playing with heart is utter nonsense. And here's why, in my opinion, because I think that when you play with too much heart, you you go out of body and you don't actually play well and you let your emotions take over and you you throw away everything that you studied for, all the advanced scouting reports. And we're talking in a baseball and softball sense here, throw away everything that helped get you there and everything that may help you win information wise. And of course, just on field stuff. Uh, and that's a problem. So when you play with too much heart, right? Well, I'm going to use that kind of an air quotes. I think that's fair, right? Playing with too much heart. I think that uh, you ultimately in the ends are, are hurting yourself because you're not actually playing smart and you might, you take the risk as a hitter of getting away from your approach. Yeah, and, think, and and certainly the perception of what it means. And I think that's what you just alluded to. And you're saying, okay, I'm putting it in quotes here because I think to one person, it's you, you, you hear football players playing with heart. And even that, they, they have to manage their emotion. It's uh, the idea that you can't only just play with heart. You can't just have emotion be dictating, especially at those older levels, like everything that you do, right? And to your point, there's so much homework that goes into studying for a pitcher. And if you go up there gripping the bat like crazy, being like, that's it. I don't care where she throws it or he throws it. I'm just going to sweat. I'm going to crush this ball, whatever it may be. Then all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, what happened to your relaxed swing thought, positive visualizations, yeah. knowing you're looking for a middle outside pitch, like, right. You don't want that stuff to go out the window. Um, but you know, when I think of, um, you know, on the flip side of it, you have athletes sometimes who kind of just like, are kind of just there and showing up and they're maybe robots or like they're not diving after a ball that they they should have dove after and and you know maybe they're they're too in their head that they don't let some of that uh emotion come through so it it is probably you know depending on your perception of it more like a bell curve right like we have you know too low we have too high and then we have this this sweet spot where we could probably operate pretty effectively but especially in, in a highly skill-based sport, a, a very cognitive sport, or just, I guess, maybe intellectual is maybe the better word, where you just need to keep your head on your sh- shoulders to just say like, hey, we're just going to go out there and play with heart and go get them. It, there's a, a little bit more to that, obviously. Well, you know, um, when you play with heart, um, again, people think that's diving for balls or or running hard down the line. I'm, you know, look, I'm okay, and I'm th- speaking in a baseball sense here. Softball is a little bit different because I'm guessing because the field's a little bit smaller. But when you hit a ground ball right at the second baseman, and you're a pro athlete, and you don't you, you hustle out of the box, but then you slow down a little bit, I'm okay with that. In fact, I prefer that. Right? I mean, you hit it right. I mean, these are I'm talking minor league baseball, professional, uh, major league baseball. When you hit it right at somebody, you know they're the best player. That, the fielder is the best, one of the best in the world. He's going to field it and throw you out. I mean, so what I'm saying is you risk injury by hustling too hard. You can hustle out of the box, but if the play is halfway over, you can slow down a little bit. I don't mind Acuna when he runs down the line and stops half three a quarter of the way, three quarters of the way to to first base. I don't want him hurting himself because it's a long season is what I'm saying. So there's a difference between, again, playing smart, playing with heart. I don't think two go together. I, mm-hmm. I really don't. I, I think you have to play, you either have to play smart or play with heart. And if you play with heart, you risk not doing your job correctly. It's fair. And I, I and I see your point. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I do think like to your point too, that professional level, like these are people who are paid millions upon millions of dollars. And you ask yourself, because right, that's like, that's always the big question. It's like, all right, <laughs> you know, you have, you know, you have one camp of people who are like, 
know their role models. They need to do what's right all the time. And, and like you said, hustling out of the box. That's that's what I, what I don't like is people who just like hang out in the box, see the play happen, and then walk to the dugout. But like hustling out of the box, and then when you see the play is over, it's like, all right, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go kill myself because uh, I'm frustrated maybe, and I'm letting that emotion take over. Um, I will disagree though on a on a pop fly <laughs> on a pop fly. I would I would disagree on like a pop fly. I'm that is less of a guarantee. I've seen more <laughs> professional baseball players mishap on a pop fly, and the guy is not even halfway down first base when he could have been on second. So well, that that's a little bit that's a little bit different. It is it's a little different than the ground ball, right? It's but that, again, that's playing some you know smart. You know, it's a windy day, it's a sunny day, right? <laughs> yeah, so it's 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 part of learning, part of the learning. But I will say this too: when I say like diving for a ball in the outfield. You know, you'll you'll agree with this. You dive at the wrong time, runs could score. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not again. You know, you, you play with you when you play when you play with too much heart, right? I'm thinking like yeah, you have the Rocky music or the um, uh, Rudy music in the background. I hate that movie, by the way. Rudy, do you like that movie? I hate that. I never saw Rudy. Oh well, good for you. I you have seen Rocky. I hate it. It's so it's so unrealistic. The Rocky or the Rudy one? Which one? The Rudy. Uh, Rocky's oh, okay. great. I will. I will. I. I will always fuck with Rocky. Right <laughs> I. I never. I never got that into Rudy growing up. And you know, our area is big Notre Dame fans. Like the Northeast just has a tendency to, you know, Irish. There's yeah. there's Notre Dame fans around. But then when I got to Alabama, and I like, you know, Alabama football picks up, and I'm like, well, now I'm really not gonna like Rudy <laughs> because yeah. especially Alabama plays Notre Dame in the national championship. So. I just have never, I've never seen it, but I will probably be a very biased. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, <laughs> I'm just telling you. I, people, you know, then people when you say play with heart, people have that mute, that Rudy music in the background. But it's just you, it's not, it's a farce because if you die for a ball at the wrong time, both baseball and softball, right in the outfield, you know, runners at second and third, say, and there's, I don't know, how many outs, you know, if if there's, oh, I, I'll, I'll make it easy. There's. Nobody on base, nobody out, line drive hit to you or hit right at you. It's sinking very quickly. Might have some topspin. You dive for it. It gets by you. That's okay. Not It's not ideal, but that's okay because there's nobody on base and, and nobody has a chance to score, right? You gave it all out. But if you do that in another situation where runs may score right. and it's a pivotal point in the game, well, guess what? You you Yeah, you, you had some heart there to dive for it, but you were stupid and now you've allowed runs to score. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you've, and, and you know what? That's probably too. It's, it's. Um, I could see someone who is, because uh, dial dial that person back, take them out of college, take them out of high school, put them in middle school. Let's say, playing with heart is like, or a situation like that. You almost you you realize they haven't developed fully the smarts yet in the right. sport. So it's like it's probably complemented, right? So then all of a sudden that athlete like associates like, oh, I did something well, I did something well, but then they never matured on the smart side. They take that same mentality with them all the way through high school, college, and now they become a little bit of a liability. Where they're athletic, they're they they're great, they 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 go all out. But to your point, we we now are like, ah, oh, so and so's in the outfield. Let's fingers crossed they're not gonna screw something up here. Or, um, I, I, you know, I, I think an example too is that same outfielder um, throwing, trying to get a runner out at home when there really wasn't oh, yeah, a shot to get well. at home, right? So like overshooting your cut because you want so badly to get that that out or throw them from right field to third base like those types of things too like I think start to come into to play where it's like that emotion got too big and we didn't have the maturity or the smarts to dial it back and and say okay well what what makes the most sense here you know yeah 
And when it comes to practice too, I want to touch on that point for a second. When it comes to practicing with heart or, or when coaches say, and again, we're talking amateur coaches here. I'm not talking about real professional coaches, college coaches, right? Top end college. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about, you know, high school coaches and literally coach, whatever. When they say, you know, you guys got to have some heart. You guys have no heart today. That's, those are the kind of the coaches that I'm, that I'm aiming at today and sort of uh, teasing, put it lightly. But when, you know, when it comes to practice, okay. Um, sound like Allen Iverson. When it comes to practice though, you're not playing, you're not practicing with heart. The definition of practicing, you got to practice the right way. There is no such thing as practicing with heart. You have to practice the right way. And by doing that, you have to be focused and you have to execute. Whether it's doing the small things, the practicing double plays, practicing base running, it's doing those small little things. That, that means a lot more than just practicing with heart because you can still practice with heart and you could still mentally be out of it and not be locked into where you need to be to get better. Yeah. And, and you don't, you almost see uh, athletes like leaning on it where it's like, like, oh, well, okay, well, I went all out. And, and, and to be honest, it's, it's probably an athlete who really struggles to maintain sm- their smart during a game or, or something like that, where it's a, again, it's uncomfortable to work out what you're not good at. It's uncomfortable for them to just, to maybe focus a little bit more to, to try to play that, that like, or develop that smartness about them. So they're just going to keep det- deterring to like, well, I know I'm good at this. I know I've been complimented for this before. I'm going to continue to just do this all out, do like throw this as hard as I can. Cause right. Like, you know, I've played, I played next to someone who was just like lost their head when it came to practicing her games and, and wanted to go all out all the time. And it was, it was the difference of like being able to just field a nice and easy ground ball and throw it to first versus fielding as hard as they could, throwing it as hard as they could, having no touch on a ball. You know, you're almost like a little bit of an out of control athlete at that point. So Again, and it's it's it, it's too like people are going to see the title and be like, "What do you mean? Like, of course, like, of course, you need like passion and, and emotion." And it's it's not again, we're not saying you have to be a robot on the field. And we're just saying like that cannot be what trumps how you actually go out and play the game. It cannot be the end all be all. That's like, well, that that's the only thing I'm going to ride off of now. I'm not going to think. I'm just going to go. So I think that that really is the biggest delaying factor so we don't make this bonehead play when it matters the most let's say yeah I, you know the athletes you, you can study any athlete who is cool in the clutch you can look at a Derek Jeter by the way he's a really good commentator I didn't think he would be as good as he really is I haven't heard him yet but I haven't yeah okay I'll have to check him out <laughs> yeah um but you know looking at looking at, at Derek Jeter right for example um I'll use Brady as an example I'll use um Mahomes as an example right now current day NFL those guys remain cool in the clutch and you can just tell by their body language it's tough to decipher you know i'll throw that to you because it's tough i have ideas but i'm not a coach Mm. um but i have ideas as to what makes their body language what tell what tells you based off their body language that they're cool in the clutch but what do you look at as an athlete for an from an athlete from your standpoint as a coach when they're cool in the clutch like that what kind of body language signs are they exhibiting uh, so I will start with the face and I'll use a hitter as an example, but I notice um, tension in their face is very low. So it's almost like their eyes look a little relaxed. And it's not mm-hmm. even that they're taking deep breaths, but their their lips are a little parted. They're not clenched and there's no ticking at the jaw. It's just their face looks relaxed. And then all of a sudden, whether you can actually see it, it's not too extreme, but like their traps are then relaxed and you're almost... It's very bizarre because you're almost witnessing someone be 
even more relaxed than they would have been in like a, a practice situation. They are like, they are just immersed in this, this pandemonium of like excitement. And yet they are, they look so contrasted to the, to what is actually happening. So I'm so I, I noticed that. And then even their takes, their takes are very like, it's not harsh. It's not, oh man, okay. I almost had that one. It's, it's like a saute. And that becomes so, when you see like, I think it was one. Of, I think it was Derek Jeter's last at bat. Like he almost looked so intimidating for how calm he was right before he hit last at bat at Yankee Stadium. He hit that opposite field yeah. ball to score the game-winning run. And that doesn't mean he didn't celebrate afterwards and he didn't get excited, but just like at the plate, you it almost gave you goosebumps how contrasting he looked to the environment. And so I actually I read a book called Clutch. Um, and one of the things it talked about is like, listen, people are going to have clutch moments, but to be a clutch athlete. It's you have you have that all the time and you're not thinking, man, I'm about to hit this ball and it's going to win us the game and I'm going to be in the Hall of Fame one day. It's just literally it's like whoop, this pitch I've practiced and worked so hard at just being one pitch at a time. And they gave the example of, of A-Rod, how he might have had some clutch moments, but he was never truly consistently clutch in the playoffs, probably because he was his ego had him thinking of being a Hall of Famer, being being the guy, you know. Um, and certainly when you hear him talk that that comes out every now and then where you hear some of these other guys and they really that maybe probably wasn't that big of a concern for them when they were at that at bat at that time. Yeah, you know, it, it was it's amazing, you know, looking back on a rod who had a tremendous career it is really amazing to watch a guy be so successful in the regular season, but then almost like a flip of a switch outside of 2009 nine, I'll say oh nine yep really struggle in the postseason and you could see all the body language features that you just talked about they were all prevalent in Alex Rodriguez at that time the face when you can just tell the face was very tense the traps he looked like he was very stiff in his stance and on contrast with Derek Jeter everything was always just very loose you know who else was very loose by the way speaking about that the old Yankees was Tia Martinez too in mm. those situations mm-hmm. He would be, he would, you can tell looking back on it now, the body language, everything was just still very loose at the plate. The moment was not too big for him at Yankee Stadium during yep. the postseason. We always said that's like, that was like the telltale sign was that an athlete, like you, as an athlete, you want to be, that you, you never want a moment to be bigger than you. Yeah. Um, and the, the only time you start to let a moment get bigger than you is when you start to, again, think about the bookends of that moment, like what led up to that moment, what could potentially happen after that moment. But, if you've been so practiced in the present, the present, the present, the present, that's all that's all you operate with. Michael Phelps is another one. People joked about like his like pre um, uh, approach to the pool routine, how like everyone else is jumping up and down and doing, and he's kind of just like, all right, I'm just jaw relaxed. He's just ready to rock and roll. So it's there is something to it, and I, you know, listen, we have access to YouTube at our fingertips, like go watch athletes and clutch moments and see for yourself if you can start to pick up on some of those things. Yeah. Uh, and be sure to, of course, if you're on YouTube, watch this show <laughs> the Eddie, and watch clips from previous episodes as well. Um, and now let me ask you from a concrete perspective now at the Academy, how do you sit, how do you get practices how do you write up practices um or plan practices to where athletes don't get too hyped and they don't practice with too much heart that's again our topic today but they practice athletes to practice the right way as a coach you know what i think it's i think it comes down to a lot of the in letting the athlete know the intent behind 
what we're doing sometimes. So that that is going to help them improve the their smarts a little bit surrounding situations. Um, for our baseball athletes, in particular our pitchers, they know when it's a velo pen where we are purely just focusing on how hard, like this. the purpose of this bullpen is to just see if we can max out our throw. But then we have pitch accuracy pens, we have pitch design pens, we have all these different things. And then finally we have, come the end of their season, we have an all-encompassing bullpen where it's like, okay, now you're facing a live hitter. Now it's not just as hard as you, now we're putting this all together. So and there's ways we can train different aspects so that if they are an athlete that needs to just let it go, they have opportunities to, as far as hitters go, um, what I, you know, it's, I think I have a hard time being able to replicate moments that might bring out an athlete to just default. Oh, I'm going to go right to heart instead of worrying about smart. So I try to create situations or create environments. Maybe I bring the pocket radar out and I say, okay, we're going to, we're going to see how hard we can hit this. And we'll start to see who, gets that tension and starts to just go all out instead of an athlete who's like still working on the relaxed flow and the whip um, or we'll do like a situational hitting type thing. Anyway, there's so many different scenarios. You can either test the athlete and then use that as a teaching moment take a step back and be like, okay, cool. How did we feel? What did you feel start taking over? Did you feel like you could still keep your head, you know, try to expose them to those small things in a place they feel safe. There's no college coaches watching you here. There's no stands. There's no lights on. And then hopefully they can take that learning experience and then bring that to the field with them. Um, I want to say this too uh, about, you know, again, today's topic when you're playing with heart. I, I also, I'm not a big believer in, you know, when coaches say, well, this is a controlled environment and this isn't. I think everything, every moment for an athlete in general can be a controlled environment if you have the right mental mindset. Mm. And I think when you take out the whole playing with heart scenario, and you continue to play smart again. Play not. Don't play with heart. Play smart. When you play smart and execute your plan, now you're in a controlled environment. I don't believe that you know. Hey, you have to be perfect in this environment because this is a controlled environment. Like for example, you have to hit ten line drives right up the middle in the batting cage because this is a controlled environment. You can do that on the field as well in batting practice. You can do that in a game where you can hit line drives. It's harder certainly, but if you may, you you create your own environment. I believe as an mm-hmm. athlete. And coaches can help you with that. But when you play with heart, you're you're diminishing your chances of creating your own environment. And thus, you're diminishing your chances of controlling the narrative, controlling what is going on around you, controlling that moment. And that's what athletes need to do to be successful. They need to be able to control that moment in a controlled environment. It's fair. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly managed. It's like falls into that managing emotions aspect and you're never you're gonna that that you're never gonna make it to the next level you will just constantly be limited by your ability to do this so you know you might be a great player in some situations but if you have not developed this emotional maturity all of a sudden your ability to showcase how good you are in pressure situations or in bigger situations is going to be diminished if unless you get this under wraps type thing or start playing over and over in your head these moments you know moment maybe where you did just rely on hard and how it could have been different um It'll just you'll you'll continue to look like that freshman on a field instead of the more mature athlete you want to be. Yeah, and we've talked about managing emotions in previous episodes. So go back in the archives, the catalog, Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube, the Softball Strength Academy YouTube page. Do you have anything coming up before we wrap up today? No, just trying to continue. We're adding to our Instagram every day. We have uh, we will be adding to the drill library come uh, Black Friday, so that'll be on the what we're working on the next month. So be on the lookout for that. 
And then uh, just hunkering down for our off season. Winter is coming. Yeah. Are you are you are you uh, prepared for Halloween yet? Mm. Halloween's coming. As in any decorations picked yeah. out? No, we did. We are lagging a little bit. I saw some Christmas trees, Christmas lights um, when I was driving through the city the other day, and I thought already, huh? Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. My my grandpa is. Uh, my grandpa has always loved Christmas. He grew up in an orphanage, never had one, and always mm. said, "If I ever get a house of my own one day, it's going to be decked out." And that's what he's always done. Uh, 11 years ago, when my grandma passed away, he was like, that's it. I'm going to have all my Christmas lights done by her birthday, which is October 5th. So okay, not only does he go all out, he does it all out by October 5th. <laughs> yeah, it looks yeah. great. If you're ever in Rockland County in Japan, go check out my grandpa's Christmas lights. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Next week, episode 59, talking about uh, overcoming athletes overthinking. Be a very good topic as well. Um, again, if you have any questions, email us as well, jimbopodcast21 at gmail.com, and we will talk to you next week. Take care.